Welcome to College Dale Community Church. Hope you enjoyed that video. It's, uh, it's, this week has gone by. It seems like every morning I get up and something else has happened bad in the world. And it's nice to know that we can still hear God whisper. Um, we are celebrating our 20-year anniversary today. And so first service they did this. So I'm going to do it because it was interesting to see how many people were there. If you have joined this church in the last five years, I'm going to invite you to stand. In the last five years. Okay, good. If you've joined this church 10 years ago, go ahead and stand up. Nobody from the 10 year, just a couple people. Okay, glad you're here. And how many people have been here for the entire time? 20 years. How many people stand up if you've been here the entire time? Let's give them a round of applause. Well, there are lots of announcements uh, that are in the bulletin, so make sure you read those. We have a lot of transfers coming in. Our membership is pushing 1,800 at this point, so praise God for that. Um, the building's going well, so any, anything you need to know will be in the bulletin, so we invite you to read that. We'd like to work, start our worship service with a word of prayer, so I invite those who are able and willing to kneel, please. Father in heaven, Lord, we're so grateful for your love and for your care. Lord, as we look around our world and we see the chaos going on, it's nice to know that we can hear your whisper, that we can hear your still small voice speaking to us during these tumultuous times. Lord, I want to pray for this world as it's uh, going crazy. We ask that you would um, heal our land, that you would heal our country, um, heal our people, make this um, pandemic go away. Um, but Lord, we, we trust that you know what's going on. Lord, I want to pray for every family that is represented here today. I pray that you would draw each of them close to you and that every family here uh, would be saved in heaven with you. And Lord, as we open up this worship service, we invite your holy presence and your holy angels to be here. We ask that you would touch our minds, that we may understand the holy concepts that you have for us today. And be with Pastor Jerry in a special way. Touch his lips, Lord. May the words he speaks come directly from you. And may those words change us for eternity. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning. 
my soul knows very well.
Good morning. I'd like to introduce to you Mr. Jack McKee. He's the son of O.D. and Ruth McKee. And when I asked them what I should call you, I said, should I call you Mr. McKee? And he said in their family there was only one Mr. McKee, and that was not him. <laughs> and so he gave me permission to call him Jack. So Jack, welcome to our stage today. <clears throat> Please tell us the history of this area. Okay, in uh, the early 70s, my parents bought uh, two corners of the Four Corners property, and it was farmland then. There, were, there was no structures on the property from where the Exxon is today all the way to where Life Care is today. That there was no structures on the property. And uh, what my parents wanted for that property was they wanted to see a hospital on that property. And so we tried for four or five years to get a certificate of need which the state required before you could build a hospital. And we saw we could never get a certificate of need. So, so my parents donated about half of that property to the Southern Union. Uh, and uh, we, asked the, uh, we asked the Southern Union to deed that property to, to Southern Missionary College. I see, okay. And uh, so please tell us about your parents' vision. The, uh, the land here on the hill was not included in that gift to Southern. And so my, my parents always had a vision for what, what would be on the hill. And that was for a small Adventist church overlooking the valley where they knew future development would, uh, would happen. So when the Georgia Covenant Conference uh, decided decades later, really decades later, they wanted a church in the Georgia Covenant Conference, uh, the family was happy to, uh, happy to donate this property to the Georgia Coleman Conference. Well, not only did they donate land, but uh, Jack and his family, they gave us $1 million up front, matched dollar for dollar another million, and uh, originally it was going to be 15 acres here on the hill, and uh, $3.2 million in a couple years raised by a new congregation. We'd have nice seating for about five or 600 people and everything would be paid for. But God had other plans. Uh, we outgrew that rather quickly and what was going to be a nice 3.2 million became 7.5 million, which we've paid off by the way. Amen. Praise God, yeah. And the McKee family gave all 22 acres that are up here. And uh, the bottom line is <clears throat> we would not be a congregation and we would not be in this church if it weren't for the McKee family. And I want to thank them personally. Jack and his wife Betty were part of our congregation for a number of years. And even though there was multitudes of dollars involved, they never once told us what we had to do. They had one request, that was that we build a sanctuary first and then the gymnasium. We waited 20 years, Jack, but we're getting the gym now. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't tell us what kind of music we had to have or anything like that. They were very, very, very unselfish 
and very kind. And uh, they need to be appreciated. All right, Karen Jean. <clears throat> How you doing? <laughs> Are you as nervous as me? I can tell. All right. Now, we're going to go in historical order here. And we're going to begin with Jim and Jerry Kelly. I want to invite them to come up. They, Jim is our head elder, has been for a long time. He and Jerry were with us from the very beginning, and uh, we call them the king and queen of the Collegedale Community Church. I would like, if you folks could be on this side, because the pastors are only used to being on that side. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. And I would like to invite every, anybody that's here that was with us that first year in 2001. If you were with us, please come up and join us with the Kellys up here. Okay. I think there'll be room. Come on, Chris. Here comes Larry. It was a long time ago. Chris, I'm going to ask you to stand on this side. Yeah. Follow the rules. You, you, would you rather be down there? Absolutely. Yes. Welcome. You know, in 20 years, there have been so many. Yes. Our daughter. And apparently my 20-year-old grandson, too. <laughs> this side. In 20 years, we've had a lot of folks come into our church, into our lives, and it's, it's been amazing. And uh, at this point, we're going to look at the pastors in chronological order the ones that could not be here, you will see their pictures on the screen. We started out with Amos and Vera Cooper. In 2002, the conference let him work with us part-time, and he stayed with us for nine years, and uh, both of them are sleeping. Then our first full-time associate was Kevin and Melinda Becker, 2004 to 2010, and they're coming up right now. They had little babies with them when they first came, and they're all grown up now. Kevin, this side over here, please. Following them, we got Tom and Glenda Hayes from 2009 to 2018. I told the first church, because Tom was there, we, 
he retired. We still can't get rid of him. <laughs> we don't want to. Then, Alexandria, whom we called Alex, and her husband, Chris Harder, were here 2011 to 2015, and that's a recent picture of them. Some of you remember their family. The children were quite a bit smaller then. Then Stephanie and her husband, Tony Ferguson, came from 2015 to 2019, and that's a current picture of them. Then Jim and Natalie Llewellyn, 2017, and still with us, and we're looking forward to them remaining with us many, many years. And then we had Nate and Christina Dubs, 2018 to the present. Uh, Nate's the one on the left in that picture. <laughs> and then Greg and Jolie Hudson, joined us in 2020, in January of 2020. These are the pastors that have served this congregation during the last 20 years. Let's give them a round of applause. Now, before we are done sharing our appreciation, if there's anyone here who has served as a deacon, who has served as a greeter, who has served in the kitchen uh, with our bereavement meals, hospitality, uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm on a roll. Um, now I forgot. When that train gets off the track, there was something else with food, fellowship meals. Okay, then adult and children's Sabbath schools, uh, small group ministries, um, any other thing, please stand. We want to thank you for your service to God here in the church. Oh, I forgot the pathfinders, adventurers, challengers, all that stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, folks, you can be seated. Thank you. Hi, I, I didn't leave. Neither did Karen. We didn't get a thank you yet. Huh. This is Pastor Jerry <laughs> and his wife, Karen. COVID protocol. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to say. I'm like, do I be funny? Do I be serious? How do I do this? The only thing I come up with is how it impacted my family. Um, this church has impacted my life in a tremendous way. I've listened to every sermon he's ever preached, and I'm still a Christian. <laughs> he was uh, speaking at a camp meeting at uh, Blue Mountain, uh, Pennsylvania conference, and my wife heard him speak. And it was the first time she truly understood the gospel. It changed her life. Well, she told me, I asked permission. She goes, it was a game changer. Okay, it was a game changer. Then I was visiting my mom, and I had those sermons on a little uh, MP3 player, dating myself. And my mom somehow figured out how to turn it on, and she listened to one. 
And she found out that she could be forgiven no matter what she did. Thank you for that. Then my mom died and all my brothers and sister came and they, get, they got to meet Pastor Jerry and they got to experience College Dale Community Church. I just want to say, and now I'm a pastor here. So he's impacted my family more than any other human being on the planet. So thank you very much. If you've been impacted, I invite you to stand. Pastor Jerry, this is your flock. I'm not sure what that says about the shepherd with kind of a strange looking flock like this, but this is the group you decided to get together. Now on a serious note, Karen and Jerry, you guys were given a vision by God to start a church and it's impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And we just want to say thank you. So just a small token of appreciation and um, I'm done. So I'm going to leave now. That's made every sleepless night worth it. <laughs> September 1, 2001, we started the church, first worship service. Prior to that service, there was a handful of people who knew me and Karen and had decided to come with us. And they took up a collection to buy me four brand new suits so I would look representative. They even matched the ties for me. And that very first Sabbath, this tie, this suit, yeah, still have them. Still still my favorites and I feel like being buried in them right now. <laughs> I want to uh, have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are going to open your word now and we need your Holy Spirit to bless us. We live in perilous times, as the Bible speaks of. We live in times of doubt and fear, chaos, confusion. And we need a sure word from you. I pray that you will bless us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. The story we will be studying today is found in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. Let's read Matthew's account first. It's found in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Now when he got into a boat, 
his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's look at verse 24. It says, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. The word tempest in the Greek is seismos. It literally means shaking, a commotion. It can be translated tempest. It is also the same word used for earthquake. And where it's where we get seismograph to measure how the motion of an earthquake, how much there is. This is an awful storm. It's not your everyday storm. In fact, many theologians believe this is a purposeful storm from Satan himself trying to sink that boat. The Savior of the world is on that boat. Eleven men who will become the foundation of the Christian church are on that boat. That was an important boat. And Satan was focused on seeking to destroy it. It says in verse 24 that the great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, literally being covered. It's filling so fast, bailing was futile. There are skilled fishermen on that boat, men who have made their living on boats, maybe that very boat itself. These sailors are overwhelmed. There's nothing they can do. It is too great of a battle against nature. We go to Luke's account in Luke chapter 8 and beginning with verse 22. This is how he tells the story. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Note verse 22. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. This is Jesus' idea. Jesus said, Let's do this. They're right in the middle of God's will when this story takes place. In verse 23, Luke uses the word that is translated jeopardy. 
Verse 23, it says, and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Grave peril, great danger is how that could be translated. This is an awful experience they're about to sink. Mark chapter 4. Mark tells the story beginning in verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Verse 38. And he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The Revised Standard says it this way, Do you not care if we perish? NIV says, don't you care if we drown? Living New Testament says, don't you even care that we are all about to drown? In verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Peace be still. Then Jesus said to them in verse 40, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The sermon title today is Moving Forward. For months I've been preparing it. Just a little touch of the past to be able to celebrate properly. But then vision casting into the future. God has blessed us so tremendously as a congregation. What could he do for us as we move forward? So I had a great sermon in mind. But then, people are dying of COVID. Friends, people are asking questions. Are we going to shut down our economy again? Will I lose my job? Will I lose my home? People are wondering, is this the end of the world? People are more concerned with the present right now than they are the future. And frankly, so am I. 
I believe that God will take care of the future. What we need right now is a solid dose of hope for the right now. When I look at this story, I can see a whole list of meaningful thoughts and ideas that would help us. But there's just a few that I want us to focus on. The first one is this. If you notice that boat and its occupants, I want you to look at life this way. We can be extremely close to God and wonder why the boat we're in is sinking. Waves crashing, wind blowing, lightning and thunder, demons howling in the wind, if you will. These men were about as close to Jesus as you could get without sitting on his lap. And yet, they were convinced their boat was going to sink. I, I see that we can be in complete obedience to God right in the middle of his will, obeying him with a pure heart, an undivided heart, and a storm can come that's nearly going to sink our boat. Our life may seem at times, maybe it does right now, like it's going under. We're covered over with waves, wind and seismic shaking, and wonder why. And the cry of the human heart is, do you not care that I am perishing? Do you not know or understand, I'm going down, I'm sinking here. I am overwhelmed. I'm scared to death. Where are you, God? Do you even exist? Or are you just asleep? Do you really care. Back in the 1800s, Frank Graef wrote a beautiful poem that became a, a powerful song. Does Jesus care? When my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song, as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long, does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into deep nightshades, does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care 
when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me, and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks, is it aught to him? Does he see? The refrain is, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Today, I want you to have something to hold on to. I want you to walk out of here strong in the Lord. I want you to be able to say, you know, this may be the end. It may be the end. This may be what we thought was going to be, what it would be like. And that, if that's true, then you can count on this. It's going to get worse. And the world will line up on one side, and God's people will line up on another side. And there is going to be tremendous stress and pressure to try to get you to walk away from God. And one of the devil's favorite tool will be darkness. Try to hide God from you so that CNN and Fox News and all of the other clowns will be the source of your discouragement. You want good news? It's in here. It's not on TV or on the internet. It's in here. And we need to believe it. I want you to turn to Psalm 71. Now, we can't read all of Psalm 71 due to time, so we'll just read three verses. But this is a psalm that is particularly of interest to me and people my age or older. David writes it as a young man, but David writes it as an observer of life. He sees that people get old. He sees that people get discouraged. He sees that people wonder as they age. And the subtitle of this psalm is Prayer for the Aged. Now, many of you are thinking, yep, that's going to be my new favorite psalm, and I hope it is. It's powerful. It is positive. It is exciting in the Lord. We're looking at verse 14. Psalm 71, verse 14. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. I will hope continually. Do you realize in many, many ways hope is a choice? I will hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You may lose faith. Don't ever lose hope. 
I know what it's like when people lose hope. As a chaplain with the police department, I've had to go to the homes of people whose loved one lost hope and took their lives. Don't ever lose hope. It's the devil's number one plan for you to take your hope away. But here it says, I will hope continually. And part of that hope is, I will praise you yet more and more. We can never be defeated by the kingdom of darkness when we are praising God. Can't be defeated. So I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth, verse 15, shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. It's about God. It's not about us. And God demonstrated his love for us through his righteous act at Calvary. That's what we need to focus on. How could have God, who was willing to sacrifice his son, how could that God forsake us and leave us here? He paid way too much for us to forget us. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. We need to be talking about God. Let me ask you, have you thought lately how big God is? I challenge you, think about that for a while. I'll just give you a clue. He fills the universe with his presence. How big is your God? It goes on in verse 16. Well, the last part of verse 15, for I do not know their limits. Whoa, the righteousness of God, his salvation, there's no limit, no limit to the understanding of it. Verse 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness and yours only. 20 years. I have made many, many mistakes. I thank God for a praying wife. She reminded me just the other day, she has prayed me out of many a hole. <laughs> it's true. But today, I'm here to share with you that it is about God's righteousness, not ours. Our failures, He forgives, and we praise Him for that. When this church first began, I wrote this as a vision for the church. <clears throat> Collegedale Community Church exists for the purpose of helping people learn how to walk with God. 
We call it growing with God. Our hope for our members and visitors is that they would experience God. Our prayer for our members and visitors is that God's presence would be wonderful and powerful in their lives. Our goal is to help individuals and families survive life on planet Earth and to ultimately live in heaven. That's our purpose. God has worked with us for 20 years seeking to fulfill that purpose. And maybe now more than ever, we need that purpose in our lives. I will make one comment about the future. That will also be the purpose of the church in the future. Survive this life and ultimately live in heaven. So, my appeal today is, would you like to say to God, you want to hope in Him and in His righteousness and to have Him as your strength? If you want to say that to the Lord, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, Lord, it's all about you. Thank you for who you are and what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Teach us to hope in you, to trust in you, to believe in you and your righteousness. And by your grace, may we walk in your strength. It's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to be seated. Paco is going to sing a very, very thoughtful song. Please listen to these words. I believe they will strengthen your faith.
forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious life, forever seated high. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in you. I believe you rose again. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes Fellas, I failed to mention Brad and Angie Hyden right after Alex Harder. Uh, their pictures should come up. My apologies. I can only do well so much. There they are. They were with us for a couple years, and we appreciate their time with us. Two things, <clears throat> at least I'm squeezing two fingers for some reason. One is uh, be sure and come back tonight. We have a fantastic concert planned. 
It will be people that have blessed us down through the 20 years, and uh, it'll be right here in the sanctuary, and it's, it's going to be a, a blessing. You will walk out of here with hope tonight. You may even tap your foot a little bit and say, you know, it's good to be alive. That's what time? 6.30. 6.30, right here. Uh, okay, the next one. There's food in the foyer, and it's to uh, celebrate this. So I'm asking you, let me get out first. No, I'm... <laughs> We believe that Jesus will soon return. May we all be found ready to meet him in peace when he appears. I invite you to stand as we have our benediction. Father in heaven, I pray for these dear, dear people. I ask that you will continue to watch over them and their families. I pray that your presence would be very real in their lives and their faith in you would be strong. I pray that you will hear their prayers and answer them according to your will. We are all praying that you will save our children, our family members, our loved ones, and our friends. We thank you, and we pray to you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless and go in peace.